Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Masked hitmen, sex tape blackmail, organ harvesting investigations. Claims that the former Barcelona president Sandra Rossell illegally bought a liver for French player Eric Abidal have been denied by the club. It's been an incredibly weird, sexually charged and occasionally glorious decade for French football. Karen Benzema has been found guilty of blackmail. Uh, former France teammate Mathieu Valbuena. This is the story of the sinister psychodrama engulfing Les Bleus. My name's Jack Rivlin. I'm joined, as always, by Zach from The Upshot. Hello, Jack. Hello, mate. Your intro's getting increasingly informal. Yeah, it's basic now. <laughs> Next week, just a nod. <laughs> He's here again. <laughs> and I'm delighted to say we are joined by Jules Lorraine. Hello, guys. Thank Pod- you for having me. Podcasting royalty. Thank you very much. ESPM royalties. Thank you. Co-host and star of the Gab and Jules podcast. Thank you very much. If you're into European football, and you definitely will be by the end of this pod, please do give it a lesson. <laughs> uh, Jules, I'm sorry, you're kind of in the role today of defending your motherland. It's okay. I mean, I go along with a lot of the things that, you know, the guys have done anyway. So I'm, I'm happy to explain it a bit more and, and help out all the, the listeners about what happened and sometimes why and sometimes how it led to that. But but yeah, it's, it's been, there's always drama with us. That's the thing. I think it felt like with, it's us more than any other countries in, in world football that with us, there's always something happening. Why? What is it about French football? Is there something in the kind of psyche? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there's so many things as we will talk on the show that, Clearly, there's something either in the water that we drink when we're little, and then when you get to adulthood, then obviously uh, you're a bit messed up in your head. I don't know. I think it's a story of of money to start with, and a lot of money as well, of fame. And I think money and fame can also turn your heads massively, of rivalry at times between some players, some guys maybe not the brightest either. So I think when you don't really think too much, or when you're not the brightest, then you end up doing things that are completely stupid. I mean, I don't know. It's just, there's just so much into it. Yeah. Well, we'll have some theories, I think, as we go <laughs> through these stories. It's probably better coming from you guys who are not French yeah. than for me trying to explain why the French people are so um, weird sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll come to some conclusions through this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had one question. So on your, on your Wikipedia, it says that you were invited to Neymar's 
all white party in I think 2020 or 2021. Infamous party. This infamous, infamous party. That was the dress code. Yeah, yeah did you that go? Was the dress code. It was so I've 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 sworn not to say too much about it. <laughs> um, but it was it was if you think about Neymar as a footballer, so all the all the swag and all the talent, all the kind of stuff. If you look at Neymar as a person, so all the bling bling or everything, you can just imagine what the parties that he can organize or, or pay a lot of money to some people to organize mm. can be. Mm. So you went to the party? It was it was pretty special. Are you, are you guys Did pals? Are you mates with Neymar? Not really, no. No as in not, but there was too many people for everybody to be his friends, if you see what I mean. It's yeah. one of those parties where the friend of a friend of a friend can also join okay. in. Okay. There will be a lot of people invited that you would not even see through the night. Yeah. Because it was such a big place and there were so many people invited. Do you have to sign uh, NDAs when you go to you these parties? To, yeah. Because I've got, yeah. I had yeah. like Neymar. Neymar had a similar thing with this uh, Neymar Palooza party that he threw during, during COVID in Brazil that all of the guests, when they arrived, like their phones got taken away and they had yeah. to sign, sign NDAs. Yeah, yeah, was it, was it like, photos, it was like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very like, he's, and I can understand why, because there was a lot of like, Weird things happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get you a couple of beers and then. <laughs> Zach, wasn't that the party where Neymar's mum meets her future toy boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I this... think they might have been together already. Oh, okay. Yeah, or okay. something. Yeah. Okay, okay. yeah. Cause... We're going to do an episode on that at some point. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we should. <laughs> yeah, Neymar gold. episode will be solid gold. Yeah. Yeah, you could do a few on it on Neymar, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of age gaps, I've got the perfect story to kick us off. So uh, we're going to we're going to start our story at the sort of a decade or so ago. In 2013, French football is in the grips of a major scandal involving a number of senior players, particularly Karim Benzema and Frank Ribéry, yeah. who have become regulars at a Parisian a lovely little Parisian spot called Zaman Cafe. Yeah. The name it probably conjures up images of, you know, kindly old men sipping tea, <laughs> eating baklava. Unfortunately, it's actually a brothel. <laughs> uh, technically, yeah. yeah I mean, you can be both. Do they, do they also serve espresso? Or? I, I think they you, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. you have shishas as well. Yeah, it's a cafe. It's a cafe. Yeah, yeah. Sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, an array of hot and cold beverages. Uh, and it's got blacked out windows. It's, I think it's a kind of nightclub, cafe, yeah. brothel. To explain it, on Monday at lunchtime you have to go to Clairefontaine which is like a 45 minute to an hour drive south of Paris where the the France HQ you know is so like the St. George's Park for, for England but so you could obviously arrive in Paris on the Monday morning and then you know go there drive there whatever but usually the players would arrive in Paris on the Sunday night because you get away from the wife and the family, the kids, for some who have some, you can arrive on Sunday so you have a good night of sleep. And then on the Monday morning at 11, for example, the Federation sends a cab to pick you up to drive you to Clafontaine. The only thing about that is that on the Sunday night, obviously, if you're in Paris and if you're a member of the French national team and a lot of your teammates are already in town, it happens still now, but not as bad as I think in those years where like, you knew everybody was out, you knew where everybody was out. Yeah, Zaman Cafe. Crazy. Zaman Cafe for some. No, everybody, it was not to everybody's taste. <laughs> but some some would go to normal nightclubs, normal bars. Not everybody was going out, but yeah. It was, so it were they turning lot. up hungover to training after, on Monday morning? So because it was a 12 o'clock meetup time in Clafontaine, it, it was usually okay, but you could easily tell 
when they arrived who was that and and the yeah. latest the night before yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah some of them have been at a shopping mall brothel <laughs> fair enough so the so the uh, the the main clients of Cafe Zaman from the squad are Frank Ribery, Karim Benzema, Hatem Ben Arfa. Yeah. Wonderful player. Sydney Guvu. Um, and the players, particularly Benzema and Ribery, take a shining to one escort in particular, a lady called Zahia Deyar. Uh, Ribery flies her to Munich as a birthday present to himself, yeah. which is a little bit grim. Yeah. It's very grim. He also introduces <laughs> her to his agent and his brother-in-law. Yeah, so his wife... Wahiba's brother. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's the deal. <laughs> your brother in law said, so this is who I'm cheating on with your sister, basically, which <laughs> yeah. is blowing my She's mind. She's 17, right? So yeah. it's, it's getting into the age of consent here, but it's underage for a prostitute, not for an yeah. ordinary mm. civilian, but as Nicholas said. Is, uh, is, yeah. is prostitution legal in France? No. No. So they're not completely in the clear. No, they, they get raided, right? The cafe gets raided yeah. by police. So I think the cafe was already under investigation. So can, you can, you can just imagine if the cops in Paris who are already looking into the Zaman Cafe, then find out that some of the best players in the world and the, the biggest French players at the time, you know, Benzema mm. and were the two stars that we had, really. They were, they were the, biggest, the biggest guys were also involved in it somehow. It was it was Christmas literally for them. So after that, the story leaked very quickly, and then it's literally a crazy few weeks and months. Because also, to be fair, it became politi- political, which is always the case in France with the extreme right and you know all those kind of guys jumping on it and against Karim Benzema and Franck Ribéry, who's from French and French descent but Muslim as well. So you can just imagine the incredible like waves that it led to. It, it, was... it goes on for years, right? Because they, yeah. they go to court. They're eventually acquitted in 2014 because as you say, they thought she was well yeah, over yeah. 18. Um, so and I think first punished and then they appealed and they were acquitted. Yeah. I think that's, that was so the, the long saga. Went. Yeah. Long, so long they're just saga. living with this scandal in their lives. I guess in the case of Ribery, has is he married? His wife's probably not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, five <laughs> children. Uh, she was not happy at all. They're still together. Uh, yeah. mm. And and Zaya Dehar is now a, what a kind of celebrity. Yeah, she's a bit a bit less now, I think. But she clearly, after that story, uh, everybody knew her name. At least if you didn't know what she looked like, I mean, you could just look at her once, and then you knew what she looked like. You don't, you know, forget. <laughs> That, I think she had a lingerie yeah, brand or and, line, and yeah. Carl Lagerfeld makes her his muse, yes, whatever that means. really weird, exactly. Did, she did quite well out of it, really. Yeah, I think so, I think so. Is there like an, an English celebrity you would compare it to? Is it like a- So I was trying to, f- actually, when you said that, before you said that, when Zach just said what he said, I was trying to think of someone who had an affair with a player and came out well out of it and started making money and reality TV shows, which is what Zaya did. I guess Rebecca Luz as well. She's a yoga yeah. teacher in Sweden now. Is she? Yeah, I think she's done with the yeah, tabloids. Sure. And I think Zaya would be at some point. You yeah. know, she must be still quite young. Yeah, I mean, 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, 10 years yeah. later, yeah, she would be like 26, 27, yeah. something like that. So, th- so this, anyway, this is a big backdrop for the beginning of the decade. There's some scandal. And then Benzema probably finally extricates himself from this in sort of yeah. 2014. And then pretty soon he's in another scandal. Yeah. You think after that he'd want to keep his head down a little bit, but it doesn't last too long. So in 2015, this whole this next scandal kind of starts when Mathieu Valbuena, another another French player, 
uh, takes his, his mobile phone in to be fixed. And whoever it is that uh, is, you know, replacing his screen or transferring some files yeah, into his phone what, discovers was. on there some sex tapes of Valbuena and his yeah. and his girlfriend. And, you know, you can imagine their, their eyes light up, not necessarily because of the tapes themselves, but because, you know, this is a, a high profile footballer and you've got yeah. his sex tape. So a few weeks later, Valbuena is uh, on international duty with France and he receives a phone call from... Uh, a random number that tells him that they've got hold of his sex tapes and, you know, we'll make them public unless you pay us. Um, Valbuena instantly goes to the police. Yeah. Um, but that night he's, he's, he's still on international duty and there's a, a knock at his door and who's there, but Karen Benzema. <laughs> <laughs> and Benzema, Benzema slips into the room and tells him that he knows about this sex tape and basically explains that he can introduce Valbuena to a friend of his uh, who can help the the problem disappear. Um, so he says, uh, Benzema said to him, be careful, Mathieu, they are big, big thugs. So he's basically uh, kind of implying that he can sort out this problem. And it turns out that these, uh, the blackmailers are childhood friends of Benzema. Um, but... Obviously, Valbuena had been to the police at this point and the police then uh, tap the phones yeah. of the blackmailers um, and they hear a conversation between uh, this, this blackmailer, Karim Zanetti is his name, yeah. and Karim Benzema, where Benzema basically recounts the conversation that he'd had with Valbuena in the, in the hotel room where he, uh, he talks about how all the colour drained from Valbuena's face. Yeah. Um, and there's another very incriminating line where he says, do not worry. He has no choice. I'll make him understand. He'll pay. <laughs> Which, <laughs> you know, that's pretty, uh, he's kind of been caught red handed there. Karim was always said that he passed the message on. That's what he was asked to do. That's why he want, you know, that's what he wanted to do as well. Him and Vabuena were never the best of friends. I think they were never not friends either. They were just teammates. I think they got, they got on well with each other. This story is a story that happened to a lot of footballers where you've got this guy. I don't know why you can't transfer your own data to one of your phone to another phone. It's pretty simple. Exactly. You have to give your phone or your laptop to somebody else that you hardly know, which yeah. was the case for Valbuena in Marseille. Mar there was this guy who was quite close to the Mar some of the Marseille players in that squad who would, do those services. So if mm. you, I don't know, wanted Sky on your TV and you wanted to TV in the wall, you call him and the guy would come to your house and he was just that kind of fixer who knows everybody in Marseille who has basically anything you want and he can kind of deliver. Uh, so he was doing the phones and laptops of a lot of players. Mm. It happened that Valbuena, obviously, as you said, Zach had a lot of incriminating or like, you know, weird stuff on his phone. And then the guy thought, hang on a minute. On one hand, I can still be loyal to those players and keep this kind of job for a long time. Or I use what I found on Valbuena's phone to blackmail him, get some money out of him, and I don't go to retire in the Bahamas or somewhere. <laughs> he obviously made the wrong choice because yeah. now he's in jail. Mm -hmm. um, but, but that was the choice that he had to do. He chose to blackmail Valbuena. When Valbuena didn't respond to the, to the threats, the first threats from the, the Marseille guys, then those Marseille guys went to Lyon uh, and to Karim Zenati, who said, I can sort this out. I think Karim Zenati said to Karim Benzema, could you help? Mm. 
Uh, could you talk to him? Just talk to him and say, this is serious. I think the idea was to, Valbuena was not really taking this seriously. I think Benzema's role in this was to just say to Valbuena, listen, don't mess with them because you don't mess with those mm, people. Yeah. So do what you want, so but you, don't, mm. if you want to pay, pay. If you don't want to pay, you don't pay. But just so you know, I know them and they are not, they are mm, not nice people. serious, yeah. So do you think that Benzema's heart was in the right place for this? I think... Karin Zanati and Karim Benzema are like brothers. They've yeah. known each other since they were four years old. They grew up in the same council estate. And when a friend like that asks for your help of, you know, asks for something of you, you do it. Especially when Karim Benzema never thought he was doing anything wrong. I believe him when he tell me that. Then we, you don't have to believe him. You don't have to believe me. Listeners don't have to believe him either. Of course, he, he went to a tribunal and everything. Mm. But that's the way he saw it. Yeah. It's, I think it's a thin line, I give you that. Yeah, it's pretty nuanced, right? The thing is, the, the French national team, and I believe maybe every national teams have a police officer with them all the time. It's like a security guy. Momo Sanaji, who's the guy with France, is a badass, like cop, ex kind of French mm-hmm. SAS, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And, Val, and he's quite close to every player, every member of that squad, whatever squads, you know, through the years, he's been there more than 10 years. He, he was almost there when I started following them, covering them. So I think a lot of players have really a lot of faith in, in Momo. And Valbuena went straight to him and Sanaji was like, no problem. You know, mm, this mm. is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen. So Valbuena was in good hands from the beginning, pretty mm, much. Mm. But Karim Benzema is a, is a guy with a lot of charisma. And I think Valbuena was like, oh, okay. If Karim says that, then where, where do I stand now? Because yeah. I think from the beginning, he really was not, he didn't feel threatened. Then, then that, that took it to another level. I mean, Deschamps, he drops Benzema for years. And Valbuena. Right? And Valbuena. Mm. Neither of them could have been called back up. Valbuena seems harsh. <laughs> Benzema, I kind of understand. Yeah, but he's, but... he's pretty shit, isn't he, Valbuena? <laughs> so he was good at the time. You know, he scored an amazing goal. At Liverpool, I'm sure Liverpool fans uh, remember that on field, yeah. an incredible goal for Marseille. But the thing is, if you're, if you're Valbuena, so you're, you're really short. Yeah. And not really good looking. <laughs> so people have made fun of you your whole life, right? You, you kind of made it into football late. You're a late bloomer. You never went to an academy. He had to go through the lower leagues, third division, second, first division, and finally made it. Good goals in the Champions League, like playing for France as someone being. And then suddenly this happens where, I mean, I've seen the, like, a lot of people have seen the video. Oh, you've seen it? You've oh, seen, good. A lot of people, oh, sorry, it did, it did make a lot of rumors about the video. Who's in it? Why Valbuena didn't really want it out. Like, loads of stuff. So imagine you're Valbuena. Already you feel a bit insecure. I mean, Joey Barton, who played with, with Valbuena in Marseille, was, would tell some incredible stories about Mathieu Valbuena and how much people make fun of him. So you're there. You feel like, okay, you've, you've, you've gone past all of that. His career should have been so different from 2015 onwards because he could have, he could have started for France at the Euro 2016 in France. Every, a lot of things could have been so different. And yet... For most of what he's achieved in football, all he will be remembered for is the sex tape. Yeah. Mm. Do you think he wishes he just paid them? <laughs> I know Maybe. that doesn't feel very moral. No, but you know, a lot of players have had those kind of issues and have paid. Yeah. Mm. And you know, we were talk about Paul Pogba, which was different because they wanted 13 million euros mm. and he only, he only gave 100K. But still, 100K is a lot of money. But yeah, I don't know. The problem is, and I think that's what the cops said to Valbuena, if you pay once... They're going to come back. That's the thing. Would it be so, worse? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What, are, you gonna, what are they going to give you? Uh, one copy of the video. They're going to keep one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just a routine sex tape. 
Ah, okay. <laughs> it's never even crossed my mind that there was. To be fair, I didn't exciting. see it all. I didn't see it all. Okay, sorry, but, no, couldn't, couldn't, like, couldn't sit through it. <laughs> but, but to be fair, even if this is, <laughs> um, I, I don't know where there will be copies everywhere now for sure, hundred yeah, percent. If anyone listening has a copy, do get in touch. Not for publication, just for just oh. for personal reasons. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just fascinated now. Anyway, anyway, we should we should say that. Uh, this did eventually go to trial in yeah. 2021. So it was rumbling on in the background for all this time. And Benzema was not being picked for France and it goes to court and Benzema was convicted of blackmail in the end and given a, uh, a big fine and yeah. a one year suspended jail sentence. Yeah. I've enjoyed his rebrand. Zach and I were looking at pictures of him when he won the Ballon d'Or. I can't remember which journalist, but someone tweeted saying he, he dressed like a brilliant Victorian inventor. He's actually dressed, <laughs> yeah. as, he's dressed as Tupac Shakur because there's some awards yeah, where Tupac wears a big fan. Yeah, like the glasses, even the, the beard, yeah, I think, the shirt, and the, yeah, the, shirt, yeah. the kind of granddad collar. It's quite an amazing rebrand given how we began this podcast talking about him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the first player to be convicted of sex tape blackmail and win the, the Ballon d'Or. Surely. <laughs> Surely. I, I, I didn't hear what you just said. I'm just his biggest fan and the Ballon d'Or is an incredible achievement. And he's one of the styliest yeah. oh, yeah. uh, players in, fo- in football. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've always thought he's a bit of a wrong and it's been interesting to hear a proper defence from someone who knows him. And the it's, just, mm. it's just a... You know, a kid from a council estate, and I think that part of you never really leaves you. You can move to Madrid and earn a lot of money, like he does. Your friends are those friends. You know, this is this is part this is part of you. And I think we there's a lot of players who come from really difficult childhood in a way. Benzema was a happy kid. It's just there was no money in the family, and he grew up in a council estate where a lot of those people. And ended up in jail or dead. And I think there's a lot of players who would relate to that story. And I think that. That side of you, Zinedine Zidane had 14 red cards in his career for a number 10 because I think that the hot temper that he had in him came from there and we can go into loads and loads of other players, not just French, but from everywhere in the world. Mm. So this is one side of him. The other side is is the one of this incredible footballer yeah. that I think has got far more mature now with the years than when he was 10 years ago and and I think has learned from his mistakes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we get into the Euros and the World Cup further, because there are some stories around it, yeah. I want to I want to talk about someone who was by 2016 really his career was reaching its end. It's Samir Nasri. So he obviously had some a lot of success at Man City more than Arsenal. But by this stage, he's I think he's on loan at Sevilla. Yeah. Things are kind of coming to an end. And he heads out to Los Angeles for a family break. Yeah. And he, he falls sick on the holiday. He, he gets really ill. So, you know, you or I might go to bed with a lemsip, but naturally as a footballer, <laughs> he, he goes on Instagram and finds some service called Drip Doctor, which yeah. is it's where they... They they give you like a saline drip, but they put multivitamins in it. Yeah, I guess it's like a Barocca intravenous Barocca, <laughs> which to me sounds absolutely insane. But anyway, I'm I'm sure it helps. They have I heard about something similar. They have at, at Glastonbury that if you buy one of these like top tier tickets, it's like three grand or something, and you you stay in a special tent where at night they hook you up to a drip that. You know, it like rehydrates you so you're not hungover the next day. Supposedly it's the only hangover cure that works, but I'm still really sceptical. Imagine going to bed really drunk, just like hooked up to a machine. You feel like you're in like the Matrix or something. (laughs) Next on catheter. Um, Anyway, so this service Drip Doctors in LA, they they get him round and Samir is given a a multivitamin drip. He poses for a photo afterwards with a quite glamorous looking doctor. And Drip Doctors post it, you know, it's a nice bit of free promo. We provided Samir Nasri a concierge immunity IV drip to keep him hydrated and in top health. All quite innocuous. It's the sort of tweet that normally gets like, I don't know, 20 likes and everyone yeah. moves on. Except a few minutes later, Samir Nasri's official account replies, you also provided me a full sexual service too, right after. So guys, make sure you get this service. I'm actually not going to read out the third sentence. It's, it's grim. That's surely not him. That can't be him. Well, okay. So the whole, obviously this is like, I think it's evening in the UK. So Twitter's like lit on fire by this. And it's happening in real time. There are all these tweets coming from Samir Azri's account. More, there's more colour on what went on with him and the doctor, according to the this <laughs> fictional account. Possibly fictional. I'm not going to go into them. They're, you know what? I had forgotten about his messages in this whole story. Oh my God. So, then, so there's a few sort of saying like, hey guys, yeah, I slept with this doctor. And then one comes from the account saying, this is from Nazri's account. Sorry, I'm a terrible person and human being who has no loyalty to anyone, including my family or girlfriend of four years. Happy New Year. So then you're like, okay, I think I understand what's happening here. And Nasri then later regains control of the account and says, sorry, I got hacked. Apologies for what happened earlier. So, okay, (laughs) I'm going to give you a bit more evidence when we're trying to work out who the culprit is for this. Yeah. Samir and his girlfriend, Anara, break up soon afterwards or announce that they've broken up. She also has a bit of form with uh, pretty rogue tweets. So when he's, when Nasri's not picked for the World Cup 2014 squad, she writes, fuck France and fuck Deschamps. What a shit manager. Which is like probably not what yeah. you want when you're trying to break into the international team. Yeah. Is your girlfriend making your manager hate you? So, okay. Question one for you guys. Yeah. Did Nasri's girlfriend hack his account and write those tweets? In your opinion? For me, yes, for sure. I mean, I mean, why, he, why would he write? Why would he write that himself? Well, probably? clearly, yeah. someone, 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 someone has done it. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the most intelligent players I've ever met. Really, really, really intelligent. Maybe even too intelligent for the industry. Even clever people can make mistakes, of course, and can be stupid at times. But 
I, I, I agree with Zach. It can't be him. There's another tweet as well when, when the hacker is writing where they say something like, his girlfriend, I'm his, I don't know if it says I'm his girlfriend, but his girlfriend was in the room, then she left, and then he slept with the drip doctor. So that's the accusation. <laughs> Oh my I, I, he's never really said anything on it, right? So he, he was suspended, wasn't he, for yeah, six so months? Yeah, so the really frustrating, worse than frustrating, hurtful postscript for Samir Nasri is, if, if, if there'd been no hacking and the tweet had just gone out, no one would have ever yeah, really yeah, seen yeah. it. It would have been some minor promo thing. But obviously this whole thing goes viral yeah. and the World Anti-Doping Association see the picture of him and they're like, oh, he's had a, a drip with a doctor with vitamins. Let me check the regulations. Let me check. Yeah. And it turns out, I didn't know there was a regulation on how many vitamins you can receive, but he's gone 10 times over the threshold and he ends up with, he gets initially banned for six months and then it's extended to 18 months. That's right. But there's some time served. Yeah. I think he ends up banned for like a year, basically. So he lost his girlfriend. Yeah. He lost a lot of credibility and also it was suspended. So, yeah. yeah. And he, At he a says- time where at Sevilla, he had started well under Sampaoli too, so- mm. And he even says that he told Sampaoli, like, I- I don't think you should pick me. I've got this thing hanging up. Like he basically says it ends his career. Yeah. Which is rough. So this was the world anti-doping agency that, that, uh, that found him. So is this the world anti-doping agency headed up by friend of the pod, Mr. Dick Pound? Yeah, Dick Pound. So the head of the world anti-doping agency was, at least he was for Shane Warren, was Dick Pound. Yeah, he's not anymore, I think. No, he, he does something like Olympic television stuff now, but he, I actually looked into (laughs) it and I think frustratingly, in the end, it comes under the jurisdiction of Spanish anti-doping because oh, he's okay. at Sevilla. Oh. But I think Dick Dick would be across it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, look, there's a good chance that Samir Nasri basically got stitched up here by a hacker, but the timing implies it's someone he knows who, who've who been looking for an opportunity. I'm always very sceptical about hacking uh, like Twitter accounts and mm, stuff like so. that, or X account, but but I don't know, may, maybe. What you mean when the, the dick pic gets tweeted, they're like, <laughs> sorry, I was hacked. And you're like, uh, well, you, it looks like it could be your dick. <laughs> Ian Botham. <laughs> <laughs> do google it if you haven't seen it uh so yeah i, I feel sorry for nazri he's kind of on the fringes of french football by this time right there's no that's not cost him a euros or a world cup spot well the the interesting thing is that you get brief obviously off the record often by you know people near either a player or you know from an agent or a coach someone so we knew that the reason why deschamps was not picking nazri at the time, it was not because Samir was not good. He's, a, he's an amazing player. But he's just that, I think Deschamps had concerns about his attitude within the dressing room, within the squads, going to a World Cup. For example, if, if Najri was not, was not starting, you know, how would he react? What would happen? And yeah, he was not happy with that. So he, he, this is the kind of guy that he, he, would, he was and still is. He would still, he would read or listen or watch what people would say about him. And then if he was not happy, he would reach out. Have you ever had like a blazing row with a player where they've been really angry about something you've said or written? Yeah, many, many, many times. Too many times. Really? Well, because they don't understand the game. No, because for example, when I was at Le Parisien, uh, I used to do the ratings for the players for every national team. (laughs) And the players can say as many as they want and... Listeners, if you if you if you hear or if you read a player saying I don't read the newspapers, this is not true. <laughs> or I don't I don't listen to podcasts or radio shows or TV shows. This is not true. And players, especially in France, where we take the rate the players' ratings very seriously. Yeah. Not in here, where you know the sun says like six, seven, even when the players were shit. In France, we take it really seriously, like in Spain or like in Italy. Um, and the first thing the players look at is their ratings in l'équipe and in le Parisien. So when they're not happy. 
they often let you know about it or the agent or something. So I've had a few heated conversations with agents or managers and stuff like that. But the biggest one, may, one of the biggest one is um, Jibril Sisse. Remember Jibril yeah. Sisse? Uh, he was playing still at Auxerre at the time. They played, I think, away in Marseille. I was a young journalist at the time, but still already covering the national team. So I knew him well. He knew me well. And I don't know, it was one of those games where Sisse, probably because he played in Marseille, he was from Marseille or from the area. Auxerre was playing away, were playing away at Marseille. He really wanted to score and he just never passed the ball. And I wrote a story because a few people are telling me that there was frustration in the Auxerre dressing room because Gibril was just on that day too selfish. And Gibril didn't like it at all. And one day I was watching the French national team train and he was there and he came over and literally I thought we were going to fight, man. I really thought, and Jean-Alain Boomsong, who was my brother, Boom came over and said, come on, you two know each other well. And Boom was a, a wise man, always been, you know, a religious guy. Everybody respected him because he was this big teddy bear. And like, he literally came between us because I was not backing down or backing up, backing down, you yeah, say? Yeah. Or backing out, whatever. And boom, came between us. And it was so funny. Everybody was, everybody was there. And Jibril was mad, man. And I was just like, and I was like, I, I'll, I'll go, man. Let's go. Wherever you want, let's go. And <laughs> Claire Fontaine is in this forest and everything. Do you think you could take, could you take Jibril Sissé? Definitely not. <laughs> but like, I could not. Everybody was watching the play. Everybody, Dominic, because at the time Dominic was unfortunately for us the coach. Uh, yeah. So that was one of the biggest ones. I had many, many, many. Love and it. you would keep having them because, you know, you think that you didn't play well, but you played okay. I give you three out of 10. You're not happy. And I can understand that. So you come and see me and we, 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 talk, we talk about it. And at the end, if you're still angry, then I'm going to lose my, my chisel. And then, you see what I mean? So yeah. I, mm. I, I, I love confront, confrontations with players because I think it's, it's the right thing to do. Samir Nasri's uh, drip doctor scandal wasn't the only uh, medical mishap to hit the, the French team. Uh, so in 2017, Eric Abadal uh, testified in, in court in Barcelona on charges well. of, uh, of organ trafficking. <laughs> so you might remember back in uh, sort of 2011, 2012, uh, yeah. Eric Abadal very sadly was, was, uh, had cancer and he needed to, he, he needed a liver transplant. So from nowhere, his, uh, his cousin appeared, uh, his cousin was working in a factory in France and he, he offered Eric his liver. So they, they have this liver transplant and it, it goes well. And 18 months later, Eric Abadal returns to football and he makes this triumphant return, uh, for Barcelona. Um, on his first game, he reveals this, this vest that says, Merci mon cousin. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's this like really inspiring story of, uh, of selfless family love. Yeah. It's all good until 2017, uh, when, Barcelona president of I think former president yeah. at this point, uh, Sandra Rossell is uh, caught on tape discussing the purchase of an Ill illegal liver. Oh my God. So this came about because uh, Sandra Rossell was being investigated for money laundering. Yeah. Uh, and the police, I think had either tapped his phone or had got um, recordings of his conversations and, and had overheard this, um, this discussion about Abadal and the, the, the purchase of an illegal liver. So, uh, Abidal and uh, Rossell were called to court to to testify on this case. This didn't go anywhere, so the charges were dropped. So I can we can assume that um, there was nothing to the case. Yeah. When I say organ trafficking, 
in I think in Spanish law, you're not allowed to buy a liver, but okay. you're not allowed to buy an organ. And the allegation was uh, that that this cousin had received money for the liver from Barcelona or from Abidal. Yeah. Um, so this was this was what the investigation was. And Rossell and Abidal testified in court um, defending themselves, basically. So why uh, why did Rossell say the purchase of illegal liver? The way he says it as well, you have an, to ask him. an illegal liver does sound like they've harvested. <laughs> yeah, Some yeah, tourist yeah. has woken up in a hostel in Eastern <laughs> Europe without a liver. <laughs> it's been harvested. <laughs> when you hear that quote and you, if you read the transcripts of the conversation, it, it does seem like there's something a little bit dodgy going on. Did he like address the press outside his new <laughs> 5 million euro mansion? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a joke. It's, no an, expensive joke. it's an expensive liver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it should be. You've only got one. The prosecutors later do try and reopen the case because a couple of judges dismiss it. Right. There's mm. clearly no evidence mm. for the for the illegal purchase <laughs> oh of a liver. And and it is his liver, right? He got it from his cousin. I mean, he has the scar to prove it. But, but there know. are some prosecutors in Spain who are still desperate to get this case reopened. I, yeah, I don't yeah, know what yeah, they've got. Yeah. So and and he's not the only French star who's who's getting slightly unfairly accused. Yeah. Right? So rewind slightly to to 2016. So the the Euros uh, and France are France are hosting the Euros, and they have a really good team at this point. They get to the final up against Portugal and. They're the favourites, really. Um, they end up losing. Uh, but another thing that this final was remembered for was the mysterious cloud of moths that descend- descended on the on the Stade de France. So there's all these pictures of this moth that like landed on yeah, Ronaldo's there, face. Man, oh, really? They were everywhere. Uh, yeah, like literally. loads. Yeah, everywhere. Okay, a plague. A plague, a plague of a plague of moths. A few years later, so this was last summer. Paul Pogba's brother Matthias came out and claimed that Paul was responsible for summoning this this cloud of moths. So in August 2022, uh, Matthias Pogba, who's who's also a footballer, um, a sort of lower league French footballer, uh, he releases this video on Instagram, I think, translated into four different languages, where he promises explosive revelations and then goes on to claim that over the last few years of his career, Paul has been spending like obscene sums of monies on witch doctors, basically, uh, including that he'd asked a uh, a witch doctor to summon a plague of butterflies to disrupt the Euro 2016 final. And, you know, these moths came, so... Get, get a refund. Yeah, I hope he asked for his money back. Um, <laughs> and they lost. Yeah, the final. yeah, yeah. If you're going to get the witch doctor for the final, get a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he... He basically says that the pool's been spending like so much money on witch doctors for does a long he, time. He does he say a figure? Like we're we talking millions. I think it's millions. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's millions. It's in the millions. But he says there was. This is one of the quotes from him. He says the turning point came with the World Cup in 2018, where Paul had more faith in the witch doctor than in God, entrusting the witch with a big task in order to help the French team win, which. They did. <laughs> Good boy. Um, so maybe maybe it was worth it. He also he also claimed that the the witch doctor had been cursing Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, uh, especially before this Champions League tie between Man United and PSG in 2019, to yeah. the one where Rashford scored that last minute penalty. It's that famous um, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I, where I think uh, Mbappe was quite subdued in that game. He yeah, missed a couple of chances. Mysterious, yeah. mysterious. Yeah. mysterious yeah. Funny, funny that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's, um, what's actually going on here? 
Well, so so Pogba's explanation is that this is part of a wider attempt to blackmail him that's been going on for a while. So Pogba has this this story where he was taken by uh, a group of hooded men to this house in the suburbs of Paris uh, and they threatened him with assault rifles. I think you mentioned it earlier. Like yeah. they, were, they were demanding like big sums of money from him, millions. Yeah. Uh, and he ended up paying them... A hundred grand, I yeah, think. Yeah. And then I think he says that he saw his brother in pictures with yeah. with the gang. So he thinks that these uh, witch doctor allegations are part of this wider campaign to discredit him and blackmail What's him. What's the goal here? Because no one's going to believe that Paul Pogba is spending millions of, of euros on witch doctors, right? I don't know. It's something, you know, they're, they're very superstitious players. There's almost two different stories. The witchcraft is and the witch doctors is one story, whether you believe it or not, whether... But I think it's, you know, P- P- Paul would admit to himself that he's, he's gone to see a witch doctor like he would go and see a fortune teller. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously you pay him and you hope that what he brings you brings you luck and success, which was the idea. Paul and Kilian talk through the, the like, um, the incident that we mentioned earlier. And Paul said, like, I never wished that on Mbappé. Mm. And Mbappé believed him. Maybe the more serious story is the racketing and the, you know, people who he grew up with who were some of his best friends. And again, we go back to childhood growing up in a council estate like that, where you feel like you have to give back almost. And certainly the friends that you had since you were young feel like, hang on, you've made hundreds of millions now. What about us? Kind of thing. We should probably mention France did win the World Cup. We're making it sound like they've had the decade from hell. <laughs> they won the World Cup. And reached another final. Yeah, reached another and final and Euros final. final. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's been glorious, right? On the pitch, yeah, but that's what we do. You know, the, the drama is always happening, but yet because we have incredible players yeah. and a really good manager now, which was not always the case, you also get success. Yeah, I think that's what we love about French football. Yeah, and yeah. probably mm-hmm. also the success comes from the drama in Ooh, a way. Maybe if there was that. no drama, I'm not sure if we would be that successful. I don't yeah. Know. Well, mm. just ask William Saliba if this incident helped his career. <laughs> oh, We're not going to go into great detail because we already covered this on the Premier League wrongens episode. Uh, not that he's a wrongen. So do check out that episode. But there's obviously, there's the video of William Saliba um, <laughs> sitting, at, he's at Clairefontaine, I think, at some French training camp. I don't know. I don't want to talk about I'll just describe <laughs> it in brief. He's, he's fully clothed, just doing a selfie video. And next to him, he just sort of pans across and next to him is a guy completely naked masturbating while watching something <laughs> on his phone. And the caption from the original Snapchat is Saliba in the splash zone. Uh, oh I don't know what else to say about it. We've talked yeah, about it before. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, should we watch the video? But <laughs> judging by your, <laughs> Julia's reaction to it. Oh Jules God. is wincing. Um, do you, do you, I, I keep asking you to defend everything. Do you have any explanation? <laughs> no, Make it sound like you did it. Would <laughs> <laughs> you like to explain yourself, Jules? Uh, I, think, I think we just moved straight oh, yeah, on. Yeah, it's a bizarre incident. It is a bizarre Better left unexplained, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out the video if you really want more, yeah. but wouldn't recommend. <laughs> Um, so moving forward, so I mean, most of the stories that we've talked about so far have been about male players, but uh, maybe the most uh, dramatic uh, story from from the past decade uh, relates to the PSG women's team. So this one, I'm not going to go into too much detail on it because 
we really want to do an episode, a whole episode about it. It really deserves it. Uh, but just to give a brief overview of the story. So there are two players in the PSG women's team, uh, Aminata Diallo and Kira Hamraoui. They're rivals for a central midfield slot in around 2021. Uh, and one evening they're driving back together from a team meal and masked men uh, stop the car and drag Kira Hamraoui out of the car and set on her with iron bars and they're really like smashing her legs. Uh, she's really badly injured. Uh, she has to miss training. I think she she has to go to hospital and everything. And uh, her place in the team is taken by Aminata Diallo and she turns in some really good performances. There's one particular Champions League game against Real Madrid where she she really, she's, she's the star. But the following day, she's woken up by banging at her door and it's the police. And they arrest her on suspicion of orchestrating the That's attack right. on Hamraoui. It turns out that the police had been tracking her for a little while because of her connections to somebody else who was another suspected criminal. Uh, and they'd found that just before the attack, she'd Googled dangerous drug cocktail and how to break a kneecap, uh, which doesn't look great. So there, yeah, so she's, 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 she's uh, arrested and then released on bail and goes back to training. And it's this, yeah, creates this uh, kind of rift in the, in the dressing room. But another thing to come out from the, from the investigation. So uh, please take Kira Hamraoui's phone, the, the victim of the assault. And they discover on her phone a, a SIM card that is mysteriously registered to Eric Abadal. <laughs> He's fighting fit with his uh, his bootleg liver. <laughs> not bootleg liver. She says not bootleg. Not bootleg. <laughs> fighting fit thanks to his cousin's kindly donated liver. Um, <laughs> and it turns out that... Uh, Eric Abadal has been having an affair with Kira Hamraoui. Uh, so they met when she was playing at Barcelona, that's where right. he was then uh, sporting that's, director. That's right. And yeah, this, this, this affair comes out and Abadal's wife divorces him. That's just one kind of side element uh, to this, uh, is, is, to this so story. That affair happened in Barcelona. So they were... Yeah, so I don't know if it was ongoing, maybe. Maybe, they're both yeah, in Paris. Yeah, I think that must have been happening. Yeah. yeah. If you're having an affair with someone, don't give them a SIM card registered in your name. No, definitely yeah. not. Yeah, Tip. Yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Because at some point we thought Abidal was involved in the whole yeah. sorts, yeah. you know, the yeah, aggression, yeah. yeah. Which is yeah. not the case, right? No, yeah. no definitely yeah. it's been cleared. Wouldn't mm, be good for mm, the pod, I mean, but yeah. bad for Eric. <laughs> <laughs> bad for everyone involved. <laughs> um, is he lying low then? He's, he's sort of... He did the Champions League draw the other yeah. day, oh, yeah. so he's not lying yeah. low. Yeah. God, yeah, that's pretty prime time, actually. <laughs> Well, that's part of the rehabilitation, I guess, <laughs> after yeah. reputation. Do you ever care about those guys? <laughs> no, not traditionally. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Diallo was uh, was released and rearrested, and she's now out on bail uh, pending a, a court case, which yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think the investigation is still going on. The five guys that they've arrested, uh, so one that was driving the, the, the car that had ambushed uh, the girl's car, the player's car, Plus maybe one that kind of organized there, plus the three that were in the car that then dragged Amra. We are, I've all pretty much said to the police that he was them. Confessed, yeah. Confessed, sorry, that was the word I was looking for. Thank you. Confessed and told that Diallo was the, uh, the, the organized. Oh, really? Organizer. Okay, wow. She still said that she doesn't know them. They come from a, a, a town near Paris in the banlieue where she's from. So like. And what, do they have 
phone records between her. So and- uh, no, it's actually no. That is actually she seems okay on that point because they don't think that uh, they they have anything in terms of messages or stuff like that. Uh, but there was a big guy that hasn't been arrested yet who apparently was in contact with her. But they basically, yeah, it's quite blaming on her, really, from those guys. Uh, but she says she's got nothing to do with it. She doesn't know them. They just put her name. They're blaming her because it's easy and she's an easy target because of this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, she's got no clubs now, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, think I think she think. went, she was on loan at Levante, Levante last yeah, season right, for, yeah. for six months. I don't think it really worked out. So she's, her contract with PSG has expired now. Yeah, so yeah, she's, yeah, 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 and what she's awaiting trial. Yeah. There was yeah. one really weird leak from the police during, like, I think after she'd been rearrested, they said that they had phone conversations where she was speaking in a man's voice and referring to herself as a man called Bilal. And they're saying they think she has a split personality disorder, <laughs> oh, which maybe. like, it, I don't know if that's going to form part of their case in court, mm. but it's quite an odd thing to leak. Mm. <laughs> What's the game there? That could have been someone else on the line called <laughs> Bilal, just, just a bloke. Yeah. But there's a story as well with, uh, I mean, involving in this story because... That has many ramifications, you say? Mm. Uh, there's a there's an agent uh, who represents a lot of the big players, the f- women's players in France, like like Diani and others. I think has been also kind of involved and his name is dragged into it. So it's, I mean, already in itself, it's an incredible story. What, yeah. You know, teammates clearly asking people and I suspect paying people to break the legs of another of one of her teammates to take her place in the team, get a new contract and go to play for the national team instead of her already in itself. But then when you think about the Abidal agent, all yeah. of that, it's just a, it's, it's an incredible story. Yeah, it's be- it's like Itonia, that ice skating yeah, movie, but it's actually exactly. more crazy. It's bigger names as well. And even the the manager of the PSG women's team then gets... Uh, it's kind of part of this story a bit that he is then accused by several players of being a basically a perv. Yeah, that, that he, that, w- there's an accusation that he grabbed an ass that he that he told players I will spank you, and he loses his job. Right, yeah, he, yeah, he denies yeah. it, and he's saying that he was framed because he wouldn't drop Hamraoui. Yes, but so I, then there was a lot of tensions because in the squads. Uh, some players were close to Diallo, and when we didn't know who who organized the organized the assault. Uh, they were saying Diallo is innocent. We should Amrawi should not come back here. So you had the pro Amrawi, the pro Diallo in the dressing room, the ones who were neither but a bit in between. The captain trying to get still the team together, which was not easy. The coach had those stories. I mean, he says that you know how you 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 you, you tap your bum of your teammate. You see, after you score a goal, everybody gets together. The boys do it together. I don't yeah. know if the girls do it. I I don't. I didn't notice, but. So he, that that was that was the case. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Oh, is that the defence for the spanking? Yeah, thing? yeah. The, the <laughs> I only read out part I of the quote. It. The full quote, if he said it, is damning because he says, "You want to be spanked? You want that, right? You want to be spanked? I will spank you. I will spank you." <laughs> I was going to ask you to read that in a French accent, but <laughs> glad glad I didn't do that. That's quite damning. Obviously, he denies he said it. So. Yeah, yeah, he denies he said it. But that's it. more than a tap on the bum for scoring. It. Yeah, but that's what that was his thing. But and he said he was in preseason, so that it didn't really happen. He happened once. That was his defense. Yeah. So it could just be that he's an unpopular manager, and there's a, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I think I think that incident, I think that would that would mess any dressing room, any club, yeah. you know, anywhere, <laughs> yeah. men, women, mm. grassroots, like anything. Can you imagine, like, 
So I think <laughs> I think the, the tension that he created was just unbearable. Yeah, for yeah. Well, the case is going to trial. It sounds like it's going to be next year. That Amrawi yeah, yeah, assault. Th- yeah, they're finishing. I think the whole investigation, but they have enough. We're thinking of doing a podcast from Paris during the trial. We would love <laughs> you to join us, Jules. It would be great. Daily updates. It's going to be amazing. Going to need you to translate for us as well. <laughs> <laughs> so. Throughout this podcast, we've we, you've offered quite a lot of kind of bottom up reasons for why there's this like odd psychodrama. There's individual yeah. events, there's people's yeah. backgrounds. I want to posit an alternative theory, which is that the rot starts at the top of French football. The French FA, until recently, the French Football Federation yeah. was headed up by uh, Noël Legraye, who's a 81 year old dog food tycoon. <laughs> And uh, last year, allegations began to break that Noel was a bit of a dirty dog himself. So there's there's accusations of, of him sending really like quite creepy, pervy texts. Yeah. Sleazy, I would Sleazy. Yeah, so there's yeah. one, you're awfully curvy. I, I would definitely put you in my bed. He tells one, um, I'm on my third bottle. I'm expecting you for the fourth, which is probably one of the most unappealing invitations to ever receive. <laughs> I, I have this image of him just sitting in his office, guzzling ca- bottles of You Carol. know what it looks like? Yeah. 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 For the listeners who don't know what it looks like, please Google him and then you understand yeah. that. It's not helping his case. <laughs> <laughs> if it was Brad Pitt at 81, you know, maybe some might be tempted. <laughs> not Noel Legrand. Not this guy. He's, no. he's sitting in his office, <laughs> guzzling Chateauneuf de Pap, firing out <laughs> messages on like a tatty old Nokia phone. <laughs> surrounded by cans of dog food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One colleague says it's very simple. He jumps on anything that moves. Yeah. And there's also a story that coming back from the 2018 World Cup, which in fairness, they're champions. Yeah. All the Federation, the Blazers, as I yeah. like to call them, yeah, all, the, yeah. all the people from the Federation are on a plane and they're all hammered. There's one quote, they made outrageous advances on air stewardesses. So I think there's kind of a general culture. Yeah, toxic, toxic environment at the Federation. I think a lot of the... The female staff within the federation, not even just with Le Gret, but in general, uh, we had Florence Ardouin, who was the kind of direct, that kind of director, who was just not nice to work with either. So yeah, you had on top of his sleaziness, and when he comes from the top, it's not yeah. good anywhere. But also, I think there's more sleaziness with the I think head of marketing who left by now. Uh, yeah, so, so some big dogs in big. Uh, jobs at the federation yeah. were also not great. Yeah. Plus, Ardouin herself was quite, quite bad. So, yeah, it was just. Uh, but again, we go back to the success that you had, that we had on the pitch with the A team, but also a lot of other teams. And yet, in the background, all of that was happening at the federation, which was a, a shit show, really. It That's, must help them get away with it a bit. Yeah, yeah, it does. But then it's, the, the team can still function despite all of that, which I always find yeah. mind-blowing. But yeah. yeah, he was... And then we had Sonia Swede, who is an agent, uh, who represents a lot of the, the women's players, who is a really good agent. She's very thorough at her job. She's really good. And he tried it on with her. <laughs> and her interview, I think, in L'Equipe, where she went on to everything, there was... There was a lot of insinuations. It was not, maybe not just, you know, I want to have sex with you, but she, the way she felt and the way she expressed it in the Lekip interview was so damning that that precipitated his, his downfall completely. Yeah, although in the end, because there's an investigation by the French sports ministry and she's, she said, the minister says, I'm still looking into this, but 
Monsieur Legray told me of his great respect for women, telling me he had a daughter. Yeah, that's right. Really cool. He's always defense, racist, isn't he? Yeah. But like, does you that, that, that? I can't be sexist. I've got a daughter. I can't yeah. be racist. I've got a black. I've got friend. loads of like, awfully curvy friends. <laughs> Case closed. He's. Be, it's almost like she is defending him by repeating that. Anyway, yeah. the thing that does for him in the end, that there's the Sonia. What's Swede, her name? Yeah. Swede. Her her allegations, and then he insults Zinedine Zidane. Yes. And for the French public, that's the final straw, right? Yeah, so he has, I mean, he said a few stupid things before anyway. He's a smart, you know, he's a businessman. He's a, he's a smart guy. He, since I think the early 90s, was involved in either head of the league in France, head of the federation. His club, Guingamp, was very successful. So he's, he's a smart guy. He's not, a, he's not an idiot. So for him to come out with all those stupid, he would say he would have stupid punchlines regularly. Uh, and you knew that if you called him up and he would pick up his mobile phone and on a good day, you could get something really good because he would just go on, you know, go on something. And that day he, he, he clearly, I don't know if he had too much Chateauneuf du Pape or not, but he clearly <laughs> went on Zidane and yeah, that was the end after that. I mean, we basically, we were only waiting for him to make a mistake and then he would get done and he should have known better. He should have kept a low profile that we mentioned earlier with Abidal, uh, but he didn't. And that was, yeah, that was on top of everything else, which was maybe not the most serious at all compared to all the sleaziness and all of that. But to insult Zidane or to criticize the way he did was just the final straw. And then after that, he was gone. He had mm. to go. Yeah. Amazing saga. I want to finish on, on a story that was tweeted by journalist Roman Molina. Uh, this is a, a, someone paraphrasing his story. Breaking, a current French international had a party where he decided to poo in people's <laughs> mouths while filming himself. I've never heard any other context or explanation on that story. <laughs> Romain Molina is a respected journalist, right? Who yeah, reveals, he's got a good story. Yeah, he's revealed well. a lot of these very yeah. sordid stories from French football, some of them very dark, which mm. we haven't gone into. Has anyone ever explained this story? Has anyone ever heard anything more on this? <laughs> when, when was that? 2022, I think before the Le Grey stuff broke, certainly in the last okay. couple of years. This wasn't at the Neymar party that you went to, was it? <laughs> I was going to say it. I was going to say you can't I talk about it. that party. It was not one of mine. Uh, or not one I was invited. I didn't see it with my own eyes. Would I be surprised that a player does that? Uh, probably not. I mean, nothing surprised me with, with this world anyway, to be fair. Nothing. Uh, so... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I will have to ask Roma and then come back to you on that one. Yeah, I please guess. do. I'd love to hear <laughs> any more you have on that. Not sure we can publish it. Uh, guys, that's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed touring the dark, seedy oh underbelly of the most successful team of the last 10 years. Thank right? you. Thank you. We have to acknowledge that. Mm. Let's not about, forget we are yeah. very good at football. Yeah. 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 You know, so. I'm very good at the other stuff. Yeah. The <laughs> you know, we bring, we, we bring a lot of entertainment on and off the pitch. That's, that's how to put it. Hell yeah. Jules, thanks very much. Thank I hope you'll come for on again. I think of course, anytime. A few topics there we'd love to delve into <laughs> I'm together. Sure. Even, <laughs> I'm just, sure you do. even just the relationship between the press and, and players can yeah, be an interesting yeah, one to course, do. Of course, of course, of course, yeah. And uh, the Amrawi affair next year. So thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you, Zach. Thank you. It's a and, pleasure. And thank you to our listeners. Please do share this with a friend if you enjoyed. <laughs> thanks very much. Black fan. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.